Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Happy holidays and welcome back once again, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for the penultimate show of the 2017 football season as we go against the spread once again on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. When I say penultimate show, next week will be the final show for the 2017 football season when Victor and I return to put the final wraps on this year. We'll review the NFL playoffs, the first round of the wild card games, and take a look at the college football playoff championship game on our final show here on Mark Lawrence against the spread beginning next week. This week, however, we've got a full slate of games on tap, not only on the college football bowl side of things, but also the National Football League winds down in its final week of the season, and there are still a few playoff spots remaining. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the show here today. Victor, welcome back once again. I hope you and your family had a very Merry Christmas. Wishing you a happy holiday and a happy New Year as well. And I'm sure, like me, you're looking forward to the college football bowl games as they continue moving forward. Absolutely. You know, uh, I like the fancy word, penultimate, Mark. Uh, I don't know who came up with the word, but it sounds so much more professional to say the penultimate show rather than the second last show of the season, doesn't it? I snatched it from Andy Isco <laughs> last week <laughs> when he talked about his go. penultimate newsletter. There you go. <laughs> right. You know, it's it been a wacky bowl season as well. Ups and downs and blowouts and not a lot of close games uh, in terms of faves, dogs, overs, unders. Of course, we record the show on Wednesday. There were three more bowl games yesterday. I got favorites down nine and eight ATS in the bowls, but it's, again, it's been topsy and turvy. Favorites started going zero and four ATS, then they went on a five and one ATS run, then they went one and three ATS, and they concluded with a uh, three and zero Tuesday for the favorites. That's how we arrived at the nine and eight thus far, and nine and eight is also the same number in terms of bowl over unders. Nine overs, eight unders. Again, a topsy-turvy ride the very first day of the Bulls. Four out of those five games went over the total. Then there was a one-and-four over-under run. Then there was a three-and-one run to the over over the weekend. And finally concluded with Tuesday's three games, two of them going under, one game going over the total. So uh, it's been a wild ride thus far, but we're at the same number whether it's been the faves or the overs, and that's nine and eight thus far. As you mentioned, Victor, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride in the college football bowls this season here. Favorites, dogs, overs, and unders, a little bit wacky in the sense when you look at the likes of a team out of that wins their conference, goes bowl favorite by a touchdown, and doesn't even score a point. I'm talking about Toledo. That's mm-hmm. mystifiably, I, I think, uh, the most head scratching bowl result we've seen thus far. That's part of a miserable performance by the MAC conference teams thus far coming out of the bowl games. They concluded they had five bowl entrants this year. They went one and four straight up and against the spread. In those four spread losses, 
they lost by an average of 25 points a game against the spread. They were just completely obliterated was the MAC conference. So it looks like what we thought they were crawling their way back to respectability when Bowles season came around is going back to the norm as far as the MAC is concerned. We'll probably tear that down a lot more next year when we get to next year's edition of the College Football Bowl Stat Report. And there's still plenty of time, guys, to put your hands on a copy of that College Football Bowl Stat Report. We've got over half the bowl games remaining and a lot of great information contained inside the Bowl Stat Report. I'd encourage you to go online at playbook.com to get your copy just in time for all the bowl games this weekend, concluding, obviously, as we know, January 1st with the college football playoffs when Georgia and Oklahoma meet in the Rose Bowl, followed up by Alabama and Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, it should be a heck of a New Year's Day bowl football slate, to say the least. Let's move it over to the National Football League side of things, Victor, as we will on the show this weekend. We talked about it being the last week of the National Football League. It is indeed. We've got just three teams that are mathematically alive on the outside looking in in the National Football League playoff side of things. The playoff picture as it goes into the final week would look like this. Out of the AFC, the number one seed, the New England Patriots, followed by number two, Pittsburgh, number three, Jacksonville. Then it's number four, Kansas City, five, Baltimore, and six, Tennessee. On the outside, still looking in and possibly alive, would be the Los Angeles Chargers and the Buffalo Bills. Over on the NFC side of things, number one seed, Philadelphia Eagles, have clinched not only the number one seed, but the home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. Congratulations to them on a job well done by the Eagles this year. We'll see how far they can go without quarterback Carson Wentz, however. That's going to be the big question. Number two, the Minnesota Vikings looking to become the first ever NFL team to host a Super Bowl game in their city, their same city, if they can make it to the Super Bowl this year. Followed by number three, the LA Rams. Number four, New Orleans. It's number five, Carolina Panthers. And number six, the Atlanta Falcons holding on to that final playoff spot with the Seattle Seahawks just on the outside, breathing down their necks, heading down to the final week of the NFL football season. And with that, Victor, that little bit of an overview there, what football teams would you find that might be a little bit motivated this week and maybe perhaps on the flip side, football teams that could be packing it up and waving the white flag this season, this final week of the season? You know, there is a lot of games this weekend in which you've got to have against a have-not, basically, before I get into my take I got a quick question for you, Mark. What is more painful to you, losing a 10-star or getting a root canal? Well, for me, I've, uh, I would say a 10-star <laughs> uh, because yeah. it's, the profession, it's a profession that we live in, and we know root canals are going to come down the road. We just don't expect those 10-stars to not hold up for us, and they're very, very difficult to accept. So I know where you're going with this, and uh, <laughs> I know, <you're, laughs> I know uh, you did have a root canal Sunday, <laughs> and uh, well, unfortunately, yeah. it didn't work out that way for us. But my answer would be a 10-star, unquestionably. 48 hours later, we can finally put it in a little bit more perspective. But the, to me, the only thing worse is losing a 10-star and having a root canal on the same day. For <laughs> me, it started on Sunday afternoon where I just had this intense pain in my teeth. It carried over into Christmas Eve. It carried over to Christmas Day. I mean, I got, I'm got i about to sit down to this delicious uh, Spanish-themed Christmas and all of a sudden, I can't chew any food. I got to go with the liquid foods on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. I finally got it taken care of the root canal yesterday on Tuesday. 
But when you combine the two together, there is definitely some extreme pain. For us, you know, we talked about that Saints-Falcons game last week on the show. Upon further review, doing a lot of research in our database, heck, I found 10 different situations that indicated it was going to be a really high-scoring game. We used it as our 10-star game of the year. We went down, of course, the Falcons – that's the team that really let us down. They had two possessions inside the two-yard line that turned into zero points, one on a turnover, one on a missed fourth down. So you can do the math. The final score was 23-13. to 13. Add about 14 more points to the uh, Falcons' score, and all of a sudden we're at 50 points, and anything can happen. But, again, we did lose that 10-star play. Again, when we put things into perspective – uh, get a little bit of inspiration from uh, your better half, in this case, our wife. The bottom line is we still went 4-1 and one over the weekend in the NBA. We went 3-1 and one in the NFL. Our only loser was the 10-star play. And 48 hours later, I'm finally getting over it. We never let one particular game define us as a handicapper. And the thing that I learned the most, and you got to learn from your losses, is that as a handicapper, Three key words, trust the process. In the long run, the hard work, the database, the process will work out. So the one thing I learned was trust the process when you're handicapping and betting. That's a good a good lesson to be learned by that because we learn from our mistakes as much as we learn from how much work and time we put in. And there's nobody I know that puts in as much work ethic that in this industry, as Victor does, when his, he processes his, not only his NFL totals tip sheet, but his plays as well. And it's a process. We do learn what we uh, we go back and we look and say, what did we overlook? What didn't we see? But the bottom line here is, you know, sometimes games just aren't intended to get there. They're just, for whatever reason, certain teams do not perform like they should in football games, the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in our NFL Game of the Week segment here, and we'll tear them down and tell you why they're not the same team this year that they've been in the past, but we certainly expected a much, much better effort from the Falcons last football week. And you mentioned, Victor, here about that. All in all, it looked to appear to be another good week for the favorites in the National Football League. As the circus continues, when I say the circus, uh, we'll confirm this with Andy Isco as we talk about the final week of the Superbook contest this week and what the win percentages are like there. But uh, one comment in passing about the favorites here. There's a couple of uh, office football pools that I'm also in, and uh, I see the comments from the people in there. And uh, one comment that stuck out to me this year was a guy says, "I never knew that it was this easy. If I had known this, I'd have been in uh, a, a lot more of these pools this year." Well, that's right. Joe Square. That, <laughs> that's Joe yeah. Square talking about <laughs> how easy it is when these favorites are rolling, and uh, it's kind of like uh, like you say, makes you pull your hair out a little bit if you're a handicapper. But uh, all in all, as you said, Victor, I guess it was a pretty good week for the favorites last week. It was a 13-3 and straight-up week for the favorites. That means 13 out of 16 actually won their games in terms of covering the spread. 8-7-1 and one ATS for the favorites. It was also a very, very big week for unders in the NFL, and we were on a handful of our unders as well. Pittsburgh-Houston under on Christmas Day. New York Jets-Chargers uh, under on Christmas Eve Day. 13 out of the 16 games in the NFL went under the total. Only three overs, 13 unders. Again, a very, very big week from for the unders in the NFL. And coming full circle here, Mark, you wanted to talk about motivation in the NFL. Who's playing for what? It looks like there's a four-team round robin, basically, in the AFC conference, fighting for those last two playoff spots. 
with Baltimore in the driver's seat at nine and six. But still, it could be Baltimore. It could be Tennessee, a team that's lost three games in a row, amazingly. We got the Chargers at 8-7. We got Buffalo at 8-7. Chargers at home against the Raiders. Buffalo playing down here in South Florida. Basically, four teams battling out for two playoff spots. And then over in the uh, NFC, yeah, there's still something on the line in terms of the NFC South division title. Now, they can't secure a first-round bye, but both Carolina and New Orleans would like to have that NFC South title under their belts. New Orleans will get the title with their win on the road against Tampa Bay and a two-horse race for the final playoff spot with both Seattle and Atlanta at 9-6 and six, uh, on the season. We'll see what happens. That appears to be uh, what should be the closest one. You know, Atlanta does not have a gimme. they got Carolina this week. Neither does Seattle. We'll talk more about the uh, Carolina game. But, again, uh, there are a handful of teams that have a lot to play for. Then again, there's a bunch of teams that have absolutely nothing to play for. You wonder what their motivation will be this week. Yeah, we'll find out that and a whole lot more when this final week of the NFL season kicks off. Our Cleveland Browns have secured the number one pick in the National Football League draft. Unfortunately, they've done that for two years in a row. Josh, uh, Rose, they, Josh, Rose, Josh, Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, I've also heard it said Josh Rosen might not come out because he heard the right. Cleveland Browns are after him. So <laughs> there's two exactly. sides of that coin as well. <laughs> but that uh, that puzzle will be solved here sooner than later. Uh, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Vic and I, we're going to tear down our college football bowl game of the week. We're going to go into the Cotton Bowl when Ohio State takes on Southern Cal. We're tear that game down along with our NFL game of the week and a whole lot more to come here today at Mark Lawrence against the spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Happy holidays once again, everybody. Welcome back. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football card. Just time for our college football game of the week. We're going to hop out to the Cotton Bowl in a big matchup where Southern Cal takes on Ohio State, a matchup of two Power 5 football teams that are not in the college football playoffs, the only two teams that are matching up against one another. It'll be a battle between the Trojans and the Buckeyes. Victor, your take on this big Cotton Bowl battle. 
A big one indeed, you know, conference championships and both teams with a challenging strength of schedule this season uh, make both uh, Ohio State and USC candidates for the playoffs. So they finished outside of the Final Four. Heck, these are two of the most talented and exciting teams the nations have to offer. I think it was a great game that you picked for the game of the week. To me, it makes the Cotton Bowl the most fascinating of every bowl game outside of the four-team playoff. Of course, the Buckeyes open sixth. They're laying over a touchdown right now, minus seven and a half the last time I looked. Over underline, you know the odds makers have set a good line when it does not move off the opener. And heck, this game opened, what, seven or eight days ago uh-huh. at 64 and a half points. And guess what? As a, as we record our podcast on Wednesday morning here, the line is still at 64 and a half points. That's what I call setting a very good line. The action is basically split right down the middle in this game. I like the over. I think there'll be some points scored in this game. I got a forecast anywhere from 68 to 72 points. The Buckeyes, very quietly, one of the better over teams this season in college football at 9-4 and four over under. They were the number 7 over team out of 130 teams, scoring at, what, 42.5 points per game. Their average line was 56.4, average score 62.4, so the average Buckeye game went over the total by almost a full touchdown, by six points per game. Uh, Meanwhile, USC 8-5 over under. They were tied for the 18th best over team on the season. The average score in USC games, 60.8. And in terms of USC, very eerily similar over-under results as compared to last year. Unders early in the season, overs late in the season. Their first six games this year went two and four over under. Their last seven games went six and one over the total for USC as they've been scoring a lot more and Sam Donald's got a lot more comfortable with that team. And they've had some receivers step up as well, including in that uh, Pac-12 championship game win over Stanford. In terms of the Buckeye offense, number six overall, very good offense, very balanced offense. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed that only one team in college football this season had 250 or more rushing yards per game and 250 or more passing yards per game. That would be the balance of the Ohio State Buckeyes, a fantastic scoring offense, number five in the country at 425 Now, in terms of USC, we did go over the total in their Pac-12 championship game against Stanford. They were a fun over team for our service last year. We went over in our game of the year against Notre Dame. That was a winner. We went over the total against Penn State in the Rose Bowl in which 101 points were scored. That was a winner. I'm liking this game over the total. I know last year's Cotton Bowl went under. I know the 2016 version went under. The previous two years did go over the total. USC 7-3-1, last 11 bowl games. That's seven overs, three unders, 70% over the total. 5-1-1, their last neutral site games, last uh, seven neutral site games. 4-1, last five non-conference games, all skewed toward the over for USC. In terms of the Buckeyes, yes, they did go under the total last year when they got shut out by Clemson, 31-0 in the Fiesta Bowl. But prior to that, the previous four bowls for the Buckeyes went a perfect 4-0 and to the over. 
That was in 2012 through 2015. 71.5 combined points per game. Again, I've got this game somewhere around, oh, 68 to 72 points based on the line and the over-under line. The predicted final score is Ohio State 36, USC 28 and a half. I got this game somewhere around 41 to 31 for the Buckeyes. High scoring, 70 to 72 points. I still think there's some value. And with this game taking center stage, it's the only Friday night bowl game on ESPN. Should be a lot of fun to watch in Jerry's world. We'll take a look at the Buckeyes and at the Trojans over the total. Victor goes over the total in the Trojans-Buckeyes Cotton Bowl matchup. He looks for a well-lit scoreboard in the football game. And as he says, we do indeed have a great Friday night football game on hand. Both Ohio State and Southern Cal each were clamoring to be involved in the college football playoffs. They're not because of one primary reason. They each have two losses on the season. Nobody in the college football playoffs that have ever made it have had two losses. Thus, these are the best of the teams that didn't make the college football playoffs, Ohio State and Southern Cal. The Trojans bring the nation's number four-ranked red zone defense into this football game. A little bit surprising. You wouldn't think that from the Trojans, but nonetheless, they've done a nice job that way. The last three times that they've been in bowl games, Southern Cal against Big Ten teams, they've lost the money all three football games. And in fact, squaring off the Pac-12 against the Big Ten in college football bowl games, the last 15 times it's happened, the Pac-12 is just 4-10-1 against the spread. That reverses a long-time good trend where the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 dominated the Big Ten, but it hasn't been the case here such of late. Their head coach in this football game, uh, Clay Helton from Southern Cal, has struggled in his career as a head coach as an underdog. Eight times he's been the underdog. He's 1-7 straight up and against the spread taking points with Southern Cal. 0-5 when the opponent's coming off a win. Checking out the Ohio State Buckeye side of the equation here. The opposite coach, Urban Meyer, is just absolutely fantastic. We pointed out in our Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine in years past how he just dominates non-conference opponents. In games against the Pac-12, specifically Urban Meyer, 6-0 and straight up, 5-1 and to the spread. He brings the number one ranked team in the nation in first down offense into this football game to the Buckeyes. They're the only team in the country that's ranked in the top 10, both offensively and defensively, in total yards. Coming to this football game, the question is, are the Ohio State Buckeyes pissed off or are they dejected? My answer to that is, I think he's ready to tap a kidney here. I think he's pissed off to the max <laughs> that, they're, that, <laughs> that they're not involved in this college football bowl playoffs here. Urban Meyer with rest, getting ready for a football game. How about this guy? He's 14-3 straight up and against the spread in non-conference games. 7-0 and straight up in ATS against those same opponents who allow more than 21 points a game. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes are the right side of this football game. I like attractive dogs. Southern Cal would normally fit that bill. I don't want to step in front of Urban Meyer this week. As he goes into dialysis, we'll lay the points with the Buckeyes against Southern Cal for our side in this football game in the Cotton Bowl showdown on Friday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear down our NFL game of the week. we got a beauty on tap in the NFC Conference when the Atlanta Falcons take on the Carolina Panthers. We'll do that and also hop out to Las Vegas to check out the final week of the Superbook Contest with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. 
Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against a spread on this week's college and pro football cards in between the Christmas and New Year's Day holidays. And with that, it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We'll go to the National Football League NFC Conference, the NFC South Division, in a big battle when the Carolina Panthers travel to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Victor, how do you see the Panthers and the Falcons shaking down this Sunday? A good selection for the game of the week because it means a lot, and I mean a lot to both teams. The Falcons can clinch a wild card with a win at home over the Panthers. They're playing to win this game, but heck, the way they're playing, if they lose and Seattle wins, and Seattle's a nine-point favorite this week, then all of a sudden the Falcons are outside looking in off that uh, magical season last year. There were five early kickoff games in the NFL that were flexed to late afternoon starts. Two of those were, of course, the NFC South battles. Our game here, Panthers-Falcons, also Saints-Buccaneers. They kind of did that uh, so that this Atlanta-Seattle conundrum both games are being played at the same time. And on the flip side, you got the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, they're in. They're at worst a number five seed in the playoffs. But a win for the Panthers on the road and a Saints loss. And all of a sudden, Carolina rises from the ashes last year and wins the NFC South Division. So a lot to play for here for both teams at the kickoff 425 Eastern on Sunday. Atlanta opened up a field goal favorite. The last time I looked, they were up to three and a half. In some cases, even minus four. In terms of over-under, it opened at 47. That probably was a little bit too high as the line has come down a point and a half to two full points. The last time I looked, there were some 45s out there, also a couple of 45 and a halves. Of course, we know about the Falcons. We know about them from last week. We know about them from last year in which including the playoffs, they went 16-2-1 over-under. In a one-year period, things change a lot in the NFL. They lost their offensive coordinator. All of a sudden, they go from a killer over-team to a very reliable under-team. This season, Atlanta 5-10 and over-under on the year, 0-4 over-under in their last four games. They're tied for the third-best under-team 
this season in the NFL. They've gone two and five over under at home this year with a combined only 40.3 points per game in terms of the Carolina Panthers, nine and six over under on the season. Slight, slightly better over numbers, but uh, they do come into this game on a five and one over under run in their last six games. We also note that on the road, they've gone four and three over under the season average of 42.0 points per game. So we've got uh, big time defensive improvement for both teams. You know, last year, Atlanta, number 27 defense, number 27 in scoring defense. They've improved all the way up to number 10 statistically on defense, number 11 in scoring defense. They are allowing five points per game less than last season. Big time improvement, which was expected for the Falcons. Again, the killer thing was the fact that with the uh, Sarkeesian as their offensive coordinator, they averaged 34.1 points per game, and they're 12 points per game less this season, only 22.1. There's your reason right there to be the loss of the offensive coordinator and the fact that a lot of teams have caught up to what the Falcons did so successfully last season. The series has gone 1-7-1 and over-under in the last nine matchups. That included our earlier season meeting this year. They played each other in Carolina on November the 5th, the over-under line was 42. Carolina won 20-17. to 17. The game stayed under by five points. Again, it's been a pretty low-scoring series. Average line, 46.4. Average score, 44.0. I think some of the value has been sucked out of the play, but right now, Mark, we'll lean to what should be a close, conservative game with a lot on the line, and we'll lean toward the under with the Falcons playing the Panthers this Sunday in probably the biggest game on the Week 17 uh, schedule. Victor leans under the total in the Panthers-Falcons big showdown game on Sunday, a battle for playoff rights for the Atlanta Falcons. They win there in the Carolina Panthers already in the playoffs, looking perhaps to maybe improve their positioning just a bit in this football game as well. The Panthers clinched their playoff spot with their win last week. Uh, for the Panthers to host a playoff game in the NFL playoffs, they only need to win this game, and they'll also need to have Tampa Bay win against the New Orleans Saints. That's kind of a, a dubious task, but nonetheless, they go into this football game knowing just that. For the Carolina Panthers to gain a bye in the first round of the playoffs, they'll, they'll need to win this game, have Tampa Bay beat the Saints, and have the Chicago Bears beat Minnesota. Now, the likelihood of that happening is just real. It's it's fantasy. It's not going to happen. But nonetheless, the Carolina Panthers are feeling awfully good about themselves with their number two ranked defense leading the way into the playoffs. And I think the Panthers are going to make some noise in the playoffs this playoff season once the postseason rolls around. The Atlanta Falcons, who need this win to be in the playoffs, come in here. You look at their numbers this year as opposed to last year in their Super Bowl run last year. Their offense this year is down 55 yards a game. Their defense is up 53 yards a game. It's what Dan Quinn would have expected from his team, a former defensive coordinator at Seattle to find an improved defense. He's got just that this year, but the offense has been missing in action this football season. They're, like I say, they're down 55 yards a game. Quarterback Matty Ryan comes in 9-2 and two straight up into the spread at home in games off a loss off a division loss, I should say, in the perfect 8-0 and to the spread the last eight games doing just that. 
You look at the series between these two football teams, the host team has won and covered seven of the last nine games, and the Falcons themselves are 5-1 and one in last home games and playing 500 or better teams. This comes from my database, and this gets me to the final side of my football game. I'm going to side up with the Falcons in this contest here. I hate backing must-win teams because the numbers are oftentimes packed in games like this, but the Falcons are a defending Super Bowl loser, and for my database, Defending Super Bowl losers playing their last game of the season the next year are 25 and 10 straight up, 22 and 13 to the spread. And when they're coming in off a point spread loss of more than three points, as the Falcons are, they're 12 and 1 to the spread in this particular role. Atlanta wins. They're in. I think they win this football game. I'll put them in the playoffs. I'll side with the Atlanta Falcons in this football game for my side in this big showdown game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time we hop out to Las Vegas for our favorite segment on the show. When we visit with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, it's probably with a tear in your eye. The final week of the Superbook contest is right around the corner. And with that, it means the final week of the National Football League season as well. Are you holding up, getting ready for this final week? Or are you getting prepared more for basketball as we're speaking on the show today? Well, Mark, a little bit of both. Uh, well, actually, a lot of preparing for basketball, although that's pretty much underway. The college season's been underway for uh, a month and a half, the NBA for a little bit over two months. But always a little bit of sadness when the NFL comes to an end. The beauty that I find in the NFL is that you play it once a week, so you've really got a chance to dig into these games from one week to the next without having to bounce around day after day as you do in the sports of, say, baseball, basketball, and hockey. But uh, basketball's been off to a very fine start looking forward to uh, uh, the winter months. And, of course, when the uh, basketball season winds down, it means we're getting ready for baseball season, meaning that spring and the good weather is about to occur. But, yes, a bit of sadness uh, with uh, the NFL season. Of course, some weeks a little bit sadder than others, depending upon the results. But overall, uh, the NFL season is one that I look forward to every year. And really, when I go back to the start in my uh, handicapping career, the NFL is the one that really got things all started for me. It's the one that I followed with the most detail, kept the most records on, and continue to enjoy as much. The other sports have sort of worked their way into the rotation. And I guess overall, if I had to step back and say, which sports do I enjoy? Do I enjoy uh, uh, just the overall process? Probably college football and college basketball, but overall, NFL still remains uh, the number one sport as far as analysis is uh, able to be used for me. Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our paths crossed back in the day. And uh, this was back when you were in Arkansas, I believe. Uh, and the reason I remember this is that uh, the DAX book, D-A-X book, was a book that I used to handicap, do all my handicapping with. And uh, Al Thompson, who produced the DAX book, was in Arkansas. You were from Arkansas. And I believe that's when you and I first crossed paths. It was just on your way when you were heading out to Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I believe you are absolutely correct and funny because I was thinking about Al and uh, and the DAX books, the DAX uh, uh, books that ultimately became the uh, the playbook uh, workbook uh, back in uh, in the late 1980s. I'm actually, of course, from New York, lived up in Rhode Island, and then uh, moved down to Arkansas for about uh, five or six years in the mid to late 80s, and I uh, didn't live that far from Al Thompson, and uh, always found this book to be fascinating, just as I as I do the way that you've c uh, carried over. It was something that I looked for forward to every year because the people today don't remember you know we're talking you know 30 32 years ago you didn't have the internet you didn't have a lot of sources of information so it was just a handful of people who were able to keep track 
of all that information. That's when I think your style of handicapping really began to begin popularize the trends or situations or angles, the uh, fact that uh, people had to understand that the point spread represents the public's perception of how teams perform. Are they going to underachieve or overachieve? And that's what the point spread measured. And so it was very difficult to access a lot of information. Back then, we had publications like yours and da- and, and the DAX, the newsletters that, that uh, were, were few and far between, the gold sheet, probably the standard. It's a whole totally different world today. Not necessarily better because I think there were a lot of edges that we all enjoyed when we were privy to some information because we did all the hard work and that information was not easily disseminated uh, through vehicles such as the Internet. So, uh, yes, I do recall with a great deal of fondness those days when things were perhaps a little bit simpler. Maybe the edges were just a little bit, uh, maybe even more than a little bit greater. You know, Andy, going back to those days uh, with the DAX book when Al Thompson decided he was going to retire and we acquired the DAX uh, publication uh, uh, from him and turned it into the playbook stat and logbook, to this day, I still log manually every game statistically, college and pro football statistics, all in my stat and logbook. Thanks to Al Thompson in the DAX book. It's the way I learned to handicap. It's the way I continue to handicap. And as you mentioned, in this day and age with the internet and everything, uh, all information that we can gain quickly, uh, I still prefer to hand log scores because I can retain those scores. And I'm sure you do a little bit of that in some way, shape, or form. Actually, I do a lot of it. And you, and you mentioned perhaps the key reason why you do something like that. When you do things manually by hand uh, with pen and paper, you retain what you're writing down. You're spotting errors that don't make sense when you write them down as opposed to when you are just looking at them on a sheet of paper or on a computer screen where your eyes are uh, glossing over everything all at once. You retain things a lot more when you have to individually write down that number and you say, wait a minute, there's something that doesn't look right about this score. These first downs seem a little bit too large or these passing totals seem a little bit different and sometimes you have to go back and take a look and uh, there are times when the national media puts mistakes up there inadvertently uh, but nonetheless everything is done very often in haste to meet deadlines and every now and then you find something that uh, uh, you would not have found had you not put it in by hand and yes I uh, I log all the information in uh, by hand I use uh, some what I call game worksheets basically which is similar to a stat and logbook uh, type process and I find I retain a lot I spot things that look out of order, which either allows me to correct them in rare instances or, more importantly, validate them. And then that makes for interesting material to uh, share with people because you do spot those oddities that don't occur very often. And sometimes they are very important as far as worth noting and have some impact as far as the way you perceive the results of certain games. I know that you like to use the term, as I do, of false favorites. And sometimes you can point back to some of these oddities that you might not otherwise catch if you didn't log them in uh, by hand. Exactly. You know that. And, uh, when you're logging them in, it allows you the ability to do things that I love doing statistically. And that's perhaps even charting teams, defensive efforts to see like, as a, for instance, I'm looking at the Ohio state Buckeye page in my stat log book. And I make notes about teams when they hold other opponents to season, low yards or second low yards. And I could scan down the Ohio state stat Uh, their log page and see that 10 games that they've been in this year, they've held opponents to either season low or second low yards. So it's things like that 
that you can retain and move forward with and feel a little bit more confident about how it is you go about your handicapping. So it's a style, it's a preference, and uh, maybe a preference that a lot of people today aren't warmed up to, but those of us that are a little bit from the uh, the older days of handicapping, we feel a whole lot more comfortable about what it is that we do, and I'm sure it helps fortify our style, our style of handicapping helps fortify our results and our passion for what it is that we do. I'm visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We talked about it being the final week of the National Football League season. Andy, by the way, publishes The Logical Approach, the Logical Approach weekly football newsletter. And you want to get your hands on a copy this week, guys. He tears down the final portion of the college bowl games and takes a look at the final week of the NFL season. You can get his newsletter online at TheLogicalApproach.com or check it out at the PlaybookSuperstore.com website if you're inclined to do so. Andy, with that, it being the final week of the Westgate Superbook Contest, there's a lot of money online this particular week. And as I understand, things are beginning to get a little bit closer as we come down to the stretch final finish line of this 2017 season. Yeah, it figures to be a very exciting finish to the contest that will have a payoff of over $1.3 million to the uh, contestant who wins. I'll get to the results and the current situation and what's in store this weekend in a moment. But first, the recap of last week where we saw the consensus go two and three from the top five selections. And once again, we had a bit of an oddity as uh, two of those uh, five selections were in the same game. Uh, the number one selection last week was a losing selection. The Rams laying six and a half to the uh, Tennessee Titans. The, but the Titans were the number five selection last week. And, of course, they get the win. So those two somewhat cancel each other out. Uh, the other uh, consensus winners were the Saints laying the six and a half, excuse me, the five and a half to the Atlanta Falcons. And the two losers were the Jacksonville Jaguars laying four and a half at the uh, San Francisco 49ers who wish the season could go about another seven or eight weeks and maybe make the playoffs the way that the Niners are playing. And the Dallas Cowboys laying the four and a half in their, in their surprisingly poor effort at home against the Seattle Seahawks. So after that two and three week for the consensus for the year, still below 500, and they'll need a perfect week to break 500 this this uh, this uh, season, 37 41 and two, so they'd need a five and zero oh to push it one game above 500. Still a losing week, as it would still be a losing uh, season at the windows with the vig in- included. But at least for purposes of a record, over 500 would take a five and zero. Oh. When the consensus teams were on the favorites last week, those favorite teams went six and five, so that's 67, 67, and six for the season. There were five underdogs that were the more popular picks in the games last week. Those went just one and four, so 42, 50, and two on the season when the underdog in a game was the more popular selection. The pick-in games, there were none last week for the seasons. Those stand at four and one. Uh, on the games that uh, one one of the pick'em sides was preferred, and there was one game this year where there were an even number of contestants on both sides of the con- uh, of the uh, game in the contest, and thus for the season last week, seven and nine overall in the consensus for the season, 113 up, 118 down, and an unusually high number of pushes, eight. Uh, where that uh, takes us in the contest, the leaders had a very good week. The current w- leaders uh, both went 5-0 and last week, and the one contestant named, Grant, named Granny's Boy has a record of 55-20-5. That's a total of 57.5 points. That equates to a 
percent winning percentage, and that's good right now for a two and a half game lead over the second place contestant who goes by the name of How Do I Play XX. That contestant was also five and zero last week to stand at fifty three twenty three and four. That equates to fifty five points. That's a two and a half point lead or lead for the first place. Uh, contestant. Uh, the third place contestant is a half game out of second. The fourth place contestant uh, is a half game behind the third place contestant. And then two more contestants are tied at 53, which is a half point out of fourth. What that comes down to, there are only six contestants who have a chance to win the super contest heading into the final week as the contestants tied for five and six have 53 points. The best that they could do is 58 and the leader is at 57 and a half. So the leader, the leader goes 0 and five and those two contestants go uh, five and oh, they would be at 58 versus 57 and a half. And the reason I say nobody else uh, can catch them because behind those contestants at 53, there are two at 52. So the most that those two contestants get would be 57. It's very unusual, especially with this many contestants in the field, that the final week comes down to just six individuals having a chance to win. Just breaking it down a little bit further, there are currently 55 people who would share in the money. Uh, they are tied for places. There are uh, not 14 contestants tied for spots 42 to 55. They pay the top 50 and ties. That uh, those contestants at 49 points. That equates to a 61.3 percent winning percentage. And as we've seen the numbers decrease all season, the number of contestants hitting at 60 percent or higher, which in this case equates to 48 out of a possible 80 points. Only 89 contestants of more than 2,700 have managed to achieve a 60% winning percentage or better. And that equates to what the winner is once again uh, posting in the Super Contest Gold, the $5,000 buy-in winner-take-all contest. There is one leader with a record of 47, 31, and 2. That equates to that same 48% mark required to hit 60%. There are two contestants, a half point back, another a point uh, uh, one other contestant's a half point out of second. And here you've got about, uh, let's see, it looks like uh, 15 contestants within four points of the lead in the Super Contest Gold winner-take-all. But a very good week for the leaderboard last week in the uh, standard or what they're now calling the classic Super Contest. So, Andy, it sounds like it's conceivable there's a possibility uh, somebody could win the gold contest with something less than 60% of a win percentage. Is that correct? That is correct. And by the way, one more thing as far as the uh, uh, Super Contest Classic goes, in the top six, there is one contestant who has two of those six entries currently sitting in a third and uh, one of those uh, entries is tied for that uh, five and six spot. So uh, one of those contestants, at least one, has two entries. Very big payday, even if that individual does not end up with the top prize. Well, kudos to him. Two entries in the top ten. That's really quite an accomplishment, to say the least. And before I hand it over to Victor with a question on the card, uh, any line adjustments that Jay Cornegay sent out this week? I know at the division games, did they, did they post numbers as far as the final week goes last week? And if so, are there any adjustments that we should be aware of this week? You know, I was, I was very surprised that prior to last week's games, they posted lines for all four, all 16 games this week. And the reason I'm surprised wow. twofold, mm. number one, 
there were no injuries involved that would have kept them from posting the numbers like they do during the regular season with questionable quarterback status, etc. And guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers were already ruled out uh, on the IR, so there was no question in week 16 as there might have, or in week 17 as there was in week 16. And the other thing is that there are so many situations in week 17 that depend upon the results in week 16 that often you don't have lines up for week 17. As a result, uh, we, we know that if you bet these week 17 lines prior to the week 16 games being played, you're taking the same chances as the lines maker is in trying to figure out what's going to happen in week 16. So when you're basic, when you're betting these week 16 lines, these week, excuse me, these week 17 lines in advance, unlike other advanced bets in this season, you're basically handicapping two weeks because you're handicapping what's going to happen in week 16 and use that to base your, your, uh, your wager for week 17. Unlike in the past, when the advanced lines are put up, they, uh, after the games are played, the adjustments are made generally due to the results of week 16 on the field, the previous week on the field. So in a certain sense, the advanced lines for week 17 are somewhat meaningless because there are going to be so many changes that are related solely to the conditions surrounding the game rather than the effects of the previous week's games that say, oh, this team won by 45 points. Let's make a one-point adjustment. So there have been a number of adjustments and j- just to go through, and I don't know how meaningful they are, but just to give you an example, Jacksonville at Tennessee, prior to last week's games, this game had the potential to decide the AFC South champion. Well, with Tennessee losing uh, last week and uh, uh, Jacksonville also losing, uh, the uh, losses kept Jacksonville two games ahead. So Jacksonville clinched the AFC South title uh, without needing a win. And so whereas last week Jacksonville was a three and a half point road favorite at Tennessee, game means nothing to Jacksonville. They are now locked into the number three seed. The game means everything for Tennessee who needs a win and they get a wild card. That game opened at uh, uh, Tennessee six. It's actually been bet down to uh, three and a half right now, but there's a, there's a more than a seven point adjustment made solely because of the situation. And that's, that's why I would take these adjustments to the week seven in week 17's lines from what were posted last week to what were posted Sunday evening, uh, very much with a huge grain of salt because they really don't reflect the purpose that we like to use these lines for. Just to give you uh, another example, uh, the, um, uh, the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys were three-point favorites. When the line came out this week, uh, both teams had their playoff fate sealed. Dallas eliminated Philadelphia, clinching the number one seed. Uh, Dallas came out a one-point favorite, yet they've still been bet up to a three-point road favorite. Again, not knowing which players are going to be rested and which teams are going to be uh, resting players. Some lines open pretty much where they, they uh, were last week because the situations really haven't changed. Chargers hosting Oakland last week, Chargers seven point favorites. That's exactly where they opened. That's exactly uh, where they remain. Although there has been a little bit of upward action to seven and a half and even some eights out there for the, uh, uh, for the Chargers, perhaps the most significant one, the uh, Rams and 49ers. Now, a lot of this had to do with, uh, with uh, the announcement last night that the Rams are going to rest a number of players. The Rams were seven-point home favorites. When the line came out on Sunday afternoon, the Rams were actually six-and-a-half-point favorites. It quickly moved down to the Rams being about a three-point home favorite. And now, with the announcement last night, we're seeing the 49ers and Rams game being a pick which means that uh, you had the opportunity to take a big number even after last week's uh, lines were taken down. When that line went up Sunday afternoon, you could have gotten nearly a full touchdown with the San Francisco 49ers. 
wouldn't be surprised if by game time you have to lay a point or two with the 49ers. Andy, let me ask you this question. Uh, are these lines that Jay Cornegay sends out, these early advanced lines, are they there for people to bet on? Do they post them where you can walk up to the Superbook super and actually bet those games at those early lines? Oh, absolutely. They come up, I think, Tuesday around mid to late afternoon, and they're available up until the start of the Sunday games. And in the case of the Thursday night games or in this late season Saturday games, they come down. But yes, you can you can actually go up. And I've done it several times this year where there have been games that I've been looking forward to where I thought I had a pretty good idea of uh, the uh, uh, of the results of the upcoming week uh, that uh, I wanted to jump on a game that I anticipated there would be a uh, a more than a two to three point line move if the game played out the way that I thought so. Whereas, yeah, you do handicap uh, both the current week and the next week. It's not quite the same as in week 17, but the simple answer to the question is absolutely yes. To say the least, chaos is the key word when it comes to handicapping these games as far as the odds makers are concerned in Las Vegas with the variance of line moves that we're talking about. We're visiting By with the way, Andy I- Isco. Yes, Andy, go ahead. I, no, I, I did want to make make one clarification. They only put lines up for the sides. No totals are posted in these advanced lines. Just wanted to, to just make that point clear. Okay, sides only, but again, major moves. Jacksonville, seven points. Dallas Cowboys, six points. The Rams, seven points. So you can see what's going on as far as these lines are concerned from last week to this week, and it still will be settled. There'll be more lines moving between now and when these games kick off rest assured of that. Victor, I know you got a question you want to run by Andy on the show this week as well. Good stuff there. Yeah, from what I hear, Andy Jacksonville is uh, now planning on treating this like a normal game, even though they cannot improve their playoff positioning. Uh, as far as the playoffs go, the reason the line went from minus six down to minus three is the fact that it looks like they're planning to play their starters. Unlike the Rams, you mentioned on Tuesday night they made the announcement it looks like Jared Goff will take off. It looks like Todd Gurley will take the game off. It looks like all the wide receivers will take off. San Francisco was probably already a good play on the advanced line at plus six and a half, plus seven points. If you could have got it in on Sunday, chances are you'll now be laying points on the road with the hot Niners. And, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy, guys, who has still yet to lose as a starter in the NFL if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, you got a lot to look forward to in the next few seasons. That is for sure. Uh, Andy, another decent week for the favorites in the NFL. 13-3 and three straight up, 8-7-1 and one against the spread. We talked last week about the fact that one of the newer ways that people are betting favorites is to parlay them together on the money line. And I'm assured that that paid off big time this week. For those people who did wager in that fashion, not to mention the fact that it was some of the bigger name favorites, in most cases, double digit favorites that covered the spread. Minnesota over Green Bay on Saturday, the Patriots covering the double digit spread against Buffalo. The fact that Pittsburgh covered almost as a double digit road favorite on Monday. I'm imagining not the best day again for the books on Sunday in the NFL but, however, they've got to put a little asterisk of the fact that 13 out of the 16 games went under the total is probably a good thing for the sports books. again, with people uh, having the tendency to bet more games overs than unders. Yeah, at some point, I thought that you were going to get to that 13-3 and three under uh, situation last week for the totals because, yes, that did save the books a lot for the people. For the casual bettors who like to bet 
favored and over uh, the under certainly killed a lot of those. And even the uh, the money line parlays, while they did very well, remember you're laying a huge price when you're backing those double digit favorites, like for example the Patriots, like for example the Chiefs last week. Uh, I think what may have saved the books a little bit is that a lot of those. Uh, favorites uh, both on Saturday and in the early Sunday games were tied to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night uh, or Sunday afternoon, the late game. And when the Cowboys went down, that took a lot of those seven, eight, nine teamers out of play. Uh, killed a lot of tears as well when the Cowboys went down because that was a very high-profile game with the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And my uh, belief is that what you saw were the uh, sharp professionals taking the points with the Seahawks and the public playing the Cowboys and probably playing the Cowboys over as well. So I think that those late afternoon games uh, perhaps bailed out the uh, sports books to a certain extent. Not as bad as the week before, but still not a great, uh, a great uh, week. But overall, for the course of the season, the books have not been hit as hardly as you might have thought, given the uh, uh, prolifera- proliferation of favorites that came in in really the middle part of the season. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before we let you go, to head off for the final week of that Westgate Superbook Contest this week. I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap on this landmine NFL game this week. And any games you've sealed, you can go out there and not step on a landmine this week, this final week of the NFL season. Well, you put it very, uh, very appropriately, Mark. <laughs> it is a landmine because uh, week 17 is always the most challenging week to handicap of the season. Much more challenging than even the opening week where we don't know anything this week. We know everything except the uncertainty surrounding how long these teams are going to be playing. You know, we met, mentioned about Jacksonville playing uh, some of their playing their starters. Wonder how far I, I would think they may treat this as uh, uh, the week three exhibition. Well, not the week three, but maybe even the week two exhibition game where the starters play the first half and then come out. And I think Jacksonville may need to do that because of their poor performance last week in San Francisco. On the other hand, we may see teams like Philadelphia and uh, some of the others, although the Rams have indicated they're not going to do so, who have a bye in the wild card weekend to want to avoid what would be three consecutive weeks of inactivity by not playing their starters at least for a little bit and maybe treating that almost like uh, uh, the final exhibition game where the starters may play a, a series or two. That just adds into the uh, mix of the games that will have some implication on the playoffs. So I'm going to go to a game that somewhat has playoff implications. It likely won't, although it will be played at the same time that both Baltimore and Tennessee will be in action. So it will affect the wild card status of the Los Angeles Chargers as they host the uh, Oakland Raiders. I mentioned before that the Chargers opened a seven-point favorite, been bet up slightly to seven and a half, and we're starting to see more eights showing up. But I'm going to be interested in the total in this game, which currently is at 43 here in Vegas. There are a few spots even at 43 and a half, and I'm going to look for this game to stay under that total of 43 and a half. You don't really think about uh, these teams as being defensive teams, and they're really not. They're just not very strong offensive teams as you would have thought in the past. Normally you think, when I I think of uh, the Chargers and the the Oakland Raiders, I don't think of them as offensive teams when it comes to totals. I think of them more as neutral teams. And yet, the facts are, and I'm sure, Victor, you keep track of this, in the uh, games this year, uh, the Oakland Raiders, 10 unders and 5 overs, and uh, that's not even nearly as strong as the Chargers. 11 unders and four 
overs this year. That's a combined 21 unders and nine overs. The number of 43 is a pretty nice number in these days where uh, 41 remains a key number. And we've seen a number of their games, even if even if this total were still at 43, 43 and a half in all 15 prior games, you'd still have both of these teams showing nice records to the under. So I'm going to look for the game between Oakland and the L.A. Chargers day under the total of 43. Andy Isco goes under the total 43 in the Oakland Chargers football game. An interesting note uh, about the Oakland Raiders, I'm going to pass this along. I got this from a listener last week that the Oakland Raiders in that Monday night football game had six drives that were started at the 40-yard line or better and failed to score on all six of those drives. That was the first time in 16 years something like that had happened in the National Football League, Oakland being and able to capitalize on good field position here. So maybe that benefits them this particular week. If that continues this week, Andy goes under the total of 43 points in the Oakland Chargers game for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, once again, a great job on the show. As always this week, I'm going to wish you a very happy New Year holiday, and we'll talk with you next week for the final show here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread next week. Let's hope the ball bounces our way next week as well. Mark, Victor, very happy and healthy New Year to you and yours and to all the listeners. And I'll look forward to next week. We'll wrap up the results of the Super Contest, Super Contest Gold, maybe preview a little bit of the playoffs and maybe even have some thoughts about what we might expect or some teams to keep an eye on for the next NFL season, aside from the San Francisco 49ers, who will be the fashionable pick almost universally, universally to have an excellent shot at making the playoffs. Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with another great segment on the show as always. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we'll put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays from Victor and myself when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week. We call it bowl penance. And what we're looking to do is to plan any college football bowl team that's off a loss of seven or fewer points in their conference championship game, provided they're not a double-digit favorite and they're facing an opponent that is not off a win of 18 or more points. This formula 
Teams coming off a conference championship loss of seven or less points, not double-digit favorites, taking on an opponent who's not off a win of 18 or more points, have found these teams in bowl games to go 22-3 and three against the spread since 1992, since college football conference championship games started. That's an 88% winning angle. It plays on Memphis this Saturday in the Liberty Bowl. Memphis will be our college bowl penance. Awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out his complimentary play on the show this week. And if you would, Victor, let our listeners know what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. Absolutely. And I'm in agreement with Andrew, uh, with Andy and as far as that uh, Chargers Raiders under. That's one of the plays that we're going to be using as a bonus over under selection in this week's totals tip sheet. And we are running 24 hours late this week, the totals tip sheet. The final one of the season will be available later today on Wednesday. There'll be five over-under selections in the newsletter, our special New Year's Eve final edition of the season. In terms of our under of the week, we're going to be going under the total for our free play in the Saints-Buccaneers game. And boy, with an over-under line of 15.5 to 51 points, I think it's about five to seven points too high in this particular game. As we mentioned, Mark, this is one of those games that's been flexed to a late afternoon kickoff. The Saints cannot get a first round bye. So basically their plan is to get that road win over the poor Buccaneers in probably the most vanilla way that they possibly can. Obviously that means a healthy dose of the two-headed monster running back. That's Ingram and Kamara. Of course, reduced stress on veteran quarterback Drew Brees. And the fact that the Saints are the biggest road favorite of the week fits in perfectly with our call on a low-scoring outcome. At last look, they were favored by a touchdown on the week. The game flow of this game or the game script, basically the big favorite gets out to a big lead, and then they go into cruise control in the second half of the game. Sharp over-under betters already know that we always think under first in a big road chalk situation, nine and 39 out of our database. That's nine overs, 39 unders, including three and 18 in the last three years. NFL games in which the road team is favored by more than a TD. So we're kind of hoping the Saints get up to seven and a half or more in this game. They would then qualify in that three and 18 over under situation. We hit it last week with the Steelers on the road against Houston. Again, when you see such a big road favorite in an NFL game, you always think under first in this particular game. Let's not forget that the defensive turnaround for the Saints, it's one of the surprises of the season. Number 31 in scoring D last year, number 8 in scoring D this year. And let's also forget that Tampa, the Buccaneers, they're tied with Cleveland as the best under home team this season. Tampa Bay home games. Six out of seven have gone under the total this year, only 36.6 combined points per game. So, Mark, we're going under in the Saints-Bucks game. The game flow indicates that the Saints get out to a lead, and they kind of just put it on nice, easy, a lot of running plays in the second half. That's our free play of the week. In college football this week, we're going to have a selection in Thursday's Alamo Bowl, an over-under selection in Friday's Arizona Bowl in Saturday's Fiesta Bowl, 
And then our five-star college bowl game of the year will be going on Monday on New Year's Day. Last year, it was USC and Penn State over the total, a game in which there was 101 points scored in the Rose Bowl. Yes, we're going over the total in one of the bowl games on Monday, January the 1st. All selections, of course, available at playbook.com. And, of course, a very happy new year to Mark and Colleen and the Playbook staff, Playbook family, and, of course, all of our podcast listeners. Thank you so much, Victor. That's Victor King from King Creole Sports. For his complimentary play on the show this week, he goes under in the New Orleans-Tampa Bay football game. Make sure you check out his five-star college bowl game of the year winner, New Year's Day on Monday. If it's anything like last year, it'll be a smashing success as he goes over the total on a big New Year's Day game for his five-star bowl game over total of the year. Also, check out the daily NBA totals today. The new publication Victor puts up each and every day online at playbook.com. Check it out. It's called the NBA totals today. If you're into NBA basketball total handicapping, it's a must read each and every day. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, once again, I want to remind our listeners that our friends at MyBookie are offering up to a 50% sign-up bonus in time for the bowl games up to $1,000 when you open up your account at mybookie.ag today. To log on now, call log on at mybookie.ag or call toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK for your up to 50% sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag in time for the bowl games this weekend. And speaking about the bowl games this weekend, my 10-star college football bowl game of the year will be kicking off on New Year's Day, January 1st as well. Big day, New Year's Day, Victor's five-star bowl game of the year total. My 10-star college bowl game of the year. I'm releasing the bowl game of the year 10-star play on Friday, December 29th online at playbook.com. It's part of a $99 football weekend of winners. You'll want to get on board Get every college bowl, NFL, and 10-star bowl play I make for just $99 complete. All you need to do is log on at playbook.com or call me toll-free to get on board. The number is 1-800-321-7777. And as I mentioned earlier on the show, guys, if you haven't got your copy of the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report, you'll want to do that just in time for the bowl games. I authored an article in the USA Today in their special bowl edition about the bowl games, and a lot of those stats and facts that I used in that USA Today article are contained in the College Bowl Stat Report. It's available at playbook.com. My complimentary play on the football card this week is going to be in the National Football League side of things. We're going to go to the New York Giants in their last home game when they host the Washington Redskins on Sunday. We firmly believe they'll be playing this game for Eli Manning in what appears to be his final game as the New York Giant this Sunday. The New York Giants have dominated this series between these two teams when they're playing off a loss. They've gone 8-1 straight up and 7-2 and to the spread. The Giants in last home games of the season when taking on a division opponent, they're 8-4 straight up and 9-3 and to the number, including a perfect 4-0 when the Giants are coming off uh, back-to-back losses. Also, we note that Washington Redskins are just 1-8 to the spread in the division on the road, playing an opponent with revenge that's off back-to-back defeats. This puts a whole new meaning to what I think will be Big Blue getting it up one last time and giving added meaning to the fact that Eli is coming this Sunday. We're going to play the New York Giants plus the points over Washington for our complimentary play 
on the football card this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to have a happy new year and remember to always to bet with your head and not over it. Until then, enjoy the happy holidays and happy holiday to you and yours as well. 